Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. It's the Guy Jeans Podcast. My next guest is Art Alexakis from the band Everclear. He's a Grammy-nominated, multi-platinum record-selling artist who's still going at it at 62 years old. He's written some of the most iconic alternative rock songs of the 90s, songs like Father of Mine, Santa Monica, and Everything to Everyone. So sit back and listen to our conversation about his upcoming tour, songwriting, and his life. Art, how you doing? I'm doing good, guy. Thanks for giving me a call. Appreciate it. Yeah, man. How's everything going with you, man? Are you getting ready to do a tour? Yeah, we're just, you know, the all the, the gear got picked up a couple of days ago and uh, <laughs> just wrapping stuff up, trying to do family stuff and just get everything wrapped up for when I'm going to be gone on the bus for six weeks and rocking out all over America. Stoked. Yeah. You're coming to la i saw october 9th so i'm gonna to try to make that at the will turn theater is it the ninth i thought it was the seventh it might be the seventh i thought it's, i, I it's, thought i saw it was the ninth on a monday but maybe it's the seventh it's a monday yeah i do know of that course. right on of man course. so have you, yeah. have no, you you're right dude i'm wrong you were right oh am i october okay 9th. cool right on um have you been uh, have you guys just been rehearsing like crazy no, you know what we've been doing? We've been playing shows every weekend um, all year. And uh, we've already played, I think, 50 or 60 shows, um, about 50 shows already this yeah. year. So we're not really, we don't need to really rehearse. We play all the time. And um, we're stoked to be playing every night because right now we're doing weekend stuff, like yeah. one to three, one to four shows every weekend depending on the weekend are you so, are you going all over the place to do those shows or are you doing them? oh absolutely yeah major markets backwood places <laughs> we, we, you know we played lynchburg virginia which i hadn't heard of before but we had an amazing show there awesome great venue there it's just it's great to get around america and just see the different subcultures in there and the different foods and it's i've been doing it for 35 almost 40 years i know with, man. Uh, everclear and other bands and it's just a blessing to be able to do this it's cool right i was checking out some uh some old videos of you and stuff man and i just i gotta ask you this question because i i just get blown away when i when i see you performing like at uh you know the woodstock show like you know back in the 90s man it was like i couldn't believe how many people were there and yeah. and just i gotta ask you you know what's that like what's it what's it like to be in front of that many people man i don't know how to explain it to be honest <laughs> yeah. with you to have that many people singing your lyrics back to you like they were singing santa monica right father of mine and you know the big hits yeah um it's pretty amazing um 
But I got to tell you, I love those shows are like special. Yeah. Um, but my favorite is about a thousand to 2000 people yeah. who are just hardcore fans, yeah. know all the words to all the songs. And that energy is just so contagious. You know, we're guys, we're guys in our fifties and I'm in my sixties, yeah. but we still feel the buzz every night we walk on stage and it's, you know, I think it, it goes back and forth. If we're if we're generating that kind of energy, it's going to be coming back to us from the crowd and vice versa. So, it's um, like I said, man, I'm just I'm just stoked. <laughs> yeah, totally. To be, to be able to do this, I'm in my 60s. I'm still playing rock and roll I and know, making man. making a decent living at it. You know, it's awesome. So when you're when you're back like stage and you're getting ready to perform for those like you know thousand two thousand um person theaters or even bigger shows or whatever what's it like right before you go on stage man what's it what's the feelings that you that you have well you know like we warm up and uh you know we're, like i said world i guess we're stretching and stuff <laughs> keeping keep it kind of light but about two minutes before i go on i start i just start meditating and praying as yeah. i'm walking to stage uh -huh. just you know just asking my higher power for energy and for me to be upbeat and positive and, and to not fall down because I have <laughs> MS, you know, uh -huh. <laughs> and, uh, and to remember all the words and, you know, right. I just, it's just kind of a self meditation thing. And, and, but it never fails guy. Yeah. Even if I've been doing this for, you know, I've been playing <laughs> on stage since I was 16 and I'm 61. Yeah. And, I still get the butterflies before I go on stage, but I've learned that once the lights go down and the intro starts and we start walking out on stage and we all hug each other and start yeah. walking out on stage, I've learned to turn that, that anxiety and that fear into excitement. And by yeah. the time I hit the mic, I just turned it in, you know, myself into a, a bigger character. Yeah. You know? Right. Just, my same personality just a bigger part of it you know yeah. just a little bit amplified and um i just i love just hearing the crowd roar it's just what a buzz i've done every drug in the world i've been clean and sober for 30 <laughs> right. i really have right. i've been clean and sober for about 34 years uh -huh. and uh i just it's the best buzz i ever had actually that's not true i've never done fentanyl because <laughs> yeah. those all came after I was, I you know, after, after, uh, I've been clean and sober. So yeah. I don't know what those are like or MDMA. Dude, those, those that fentanyl is gnarly, man. Dude, <laughs> dropping like flies yeah. out there, buddy. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Yeah. It's crazy. So you've performed, you've literally performed all over the world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So what, what country, do you think has the most energy like when you're when you're performing like you were, that you were so so super surprised at like you're just like oh my god this, this hands, what was it hands down hands down australia really yeah i would say we're we we did really well here we sold like seven million records here um per capita we've sold more records in australia and in canada as well other really? english speaking for some reason, uh, EMI International wasn't very strong in the 90s, so 
we weren't really big in Europe. We toured Europe. We did okay in some places. But Europe, South America, Asia, we, we went to those places later, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and we're still trying to make inroads. But we still have a great, great, we do great business down in Australia. We just came back, did 17 dates in Australia, which is hard to do. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's only like five, six major cities. And we did a bunch of smaller cities and just had a great time and just killed it. And I'm going back in about four months in January, January, February to do a solo tour. So that's pretty cool. That's going to be fun. That's going to be cool. You know, all these shows that you've done literally all over the world, you know, I'm sure you've had some crazy things happen to you while you're performing, right? <laughs> what's, what's like some story that you could tell me about something crazy happening to you while you guys are playing? Uh, on stage. Um, <laughs> um, you know, I've seen people like get into fist fights. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I think the craziest thing that ever happened to me was we were playing in Canada about 15 years ago playing a casino, but it was just packed. I'd say there's like 2,500 people there just packed. Everyone's having a great time. Um, there's a pit going and, and, <laughs> and, but there's people around the pit, older people. And <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I'm just singing. I'm getting eye contact with people having a great time. Then I notice in the midst of all these people smiling and singing, there's this one dude there. I'd say about 25, 30, just looking at me pissy. And I saw next to him. Obviously, his girlfriend was just like losing her mind, having a great time. And he just flipped me off. No. And, and I'm just like, and I'm just like laughing. And I just, I just flipped him off back. And the next thing I know, homeboy flips his cigarette at me and hits me right in the face. Oh. This is got to be 15 years ago because people were still smoking inside 15, yeah. 20 years ago. And, <laughs> dude, I don't even remember it, but that old project kid, you know, that grew up <laughs> yeah. in the project. Next thing I know, I'm in the crowd, and I got this guy's throat in my hand. <laughs> and he's got terror in his eyes, and my arm's back, ready to just start pounding him. Oh, my and, God. And... All these fans are like, like going, all right, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't, don't do it. He'll sue you. He'll, he'll win. Don't do it. Yeah. Yeah. Don't do it. And, and the, these women and men are just like gently taking my hands off his neck and, and pulling my hand arm back. And, and, uh, then the next thing you know, they pull this kid, this, and these are was a lot of people in the thirties, forties and fifties, pull this kid into the pit. And they just start kicking the shit out. Oh my god! Just whooping on them, <laughs> whooping on them, and then security comes in and gets them, and they start dragging him. He's all bloodied and beaten up. They start dragging him <laughs> up up the aisle and out. Right, and, oh. you know. And I think one of them's a cop. I think, I think he went to jail. And um, <laughs> but it was awesome because you could see on the stage like all these hardcore Everclear fans, we're talking <laughs> women and moms and shit, are like <laughs> kicking him as he goes by. <laughs> I'm like, oh, 
That's don't, what, that's please funny. don't fuck with me, man. I'll, <laughs> I'll set those middle-aged moms on you. They will fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> what a great story. Oh, my God. I can't believe the guy's getting mad at you because his chick's freaking out. Oh, I do. It's just that's, so weird. That's always happened. That's yeah. always happened. Guys getting jealous. Yeah. You know, they, and they're going to shows because they don't want to be there, but they they want to go with their girlfriend because, yeah. they, you know, they're just small, small-minded and probably small penises, too. <laughs> <laughs> so did you start writing songs like and playing guitar when you were real young? Well, I started playing guitar when I was 14, but I didn't start writing songs till I was about 20. Um, I was just, I was content just to play guitar and I played bass in a few bands and just sing backups, you know, uh -huh. but I was already writing music, but not like lyrics and not full songs. And, but I really hated dealing with singers who couldn't play instruments and Huh. The, the the straw that broke the camel's back was I was at a rehearsal and um, this pretentious-ass singer kid who was in our band was like, so, Art, can you play something kind of linear on guitar? And I'm like, no, because I don't know what that means. He goes, <laughs> well, linear is a mathematical term. I go, no, dude, I know what linear means, right? Yeah, <laughs> I can. I'm probably better at math than you are, but I don't know what it means when you're talking about guitar. You're not using the right words. And he's like, you know, like, like, you know, punk rock kind. Of, I go, you're talking about this, and I play him a palm mute, you know, go, uh -huh. go, go, like that. He's like, yeah, that's it. And I go, well, that's called the palm mute because you're muting the strings with your palm. And then I'm just like. You know, back then I was like, I was still drinking and doing drugs and I was just, you know, <laughs> bent out of shape. And my bass player at the time was like looking at me and he's like, and I'm finally in the middle of a song. I just stop, unplug my guitar, walk over the case. And my bass player's like, no, 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 don't do it. Don't, I, I'm, I'm out of here, dude. I quit. I quit, guys. Sorry. See ya. Um, and I went home to my mom's. Um, I was living with my mom at the time. Uh, in between, you know, just living in drug houses and stuff like that. Just <laughs> rough life. And uh, I remember I was just, I would just teach myself. I taught myself how to play guitar and sing at the same time. And I just listened to a bunch of my favorites, like Neil Young, Beatles, Stones, mm -hmm. Clash, um, you know, um, X, the band X, mm -hmm. LA punk band. Um, and even country artist Hank Williams had just taught myself how to play a lot of those songs. And over the next year or two, I started writing songs and really bad songs, but they got better and better and better. And mm -hmm. uh, finally, friends of mine would hear me play them and go, dude, whose song is that? I go, that's mine. They're like, no, really? I'm like, yeah, that's my song. And so it was just work. But it was something I always wanted to do, but yeah. I was afraid to sing because I didn't have a classically trained or voice or instrument like that. But I realized neither my favorite singers were not like the Robert Plants of the world, even though I love Robert Plant and I love singers that can sing like that, but you know, uh, Freddie Mercury, those kind of guys. Yeah. But that's not me. I'm more of a Neil Young, 
Bruce Springsteen, Tom Petty kind of kind of guy. And um, you know, all I ever wanted to do was being a a rock band that had big heavy guitars <laughs> and but at the song at the same time the songs were more singer songwriter type songs yeah. and really that's what Everclear is yeah if you think about it dude I love your I love your latest album too I want to talk about that later though um, but can you talk about like you know obviously you're a gifted songwriter and I wanted to kind of find out like how you go about writing a song up. You, you know, you listen to your songs and they're just so from your soul, obviously. And I mean, how do you go about writing a song? Like you just sit, sit in a room and just start plunking away. Or does it come to you? How does that work? Well, you know, it, I try not to write the same way every time because I think people get stuck in a kind of, uh, you know, a plateau where everything sounds yeah. a little too similar. And so a lot of times it starts with a riff, you know, mm -hmm. a guitar riff yep. that I'll come up with. And, and, uh, when I get a riff, I like, I'll come up with a melody and just build it from there. Um, but sometimes it comes up with an idea for a song title or it comes up with lyrics. I just write as like free verse poetry right. and, and then I'll build a song around that. So I try to do it in different ways every time. Do some of your songs come really quick? Like some of your, you know, the songs that have become your hits, did those come real easy to you? Did they come quickly or did it take, some, yeah, did it take a long that, time? That, that's a really good question, dude. Thanks. Um, some are, you know, it, 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 it depends. Yeah. It's like the song wonderful. I had the music for it, but no lyrics for it. And mm -hmm. I didn't even know what it was going to be about. And then I just came up with the lyrics and I wrote them on a plane flying from Portland to LA and when I got to LA I went to the studio and sang the lyrics and I wrote all the lyrics right on right on the plane two hour plane ride and um, there's some songs that come like Father Mine I remember watching my daughter sleep uh, people with kids parents do that they'll watch their kids sleep oh absolutely <laughs> and, uh, and do you have kids? yeah I got two daughters Oh, so you know what I'm talking about. Oh, dude, I, I'm, I'm so on the same page as you. You know, It's I, like magic, dude. Yeah. And especially when you don't have a lot of money to go out and do stuff, it's like free entertainment. You know? <laughs> um, but uh, I remember watching my daughter sleep one night, and I turned to my wife at the time and just go, how the fuck does a man walk away from this? How do yeah. you do that? Yeah. You know? I don't. I'm not trying to ask a question that can't be answered. I'm just like, how do you look at your own child sleeping, just that purity and that innocence? Why do you not want to be a part of that? Why do you not want to be a part of helping making them better than you? Right. You know, giving them less damage than your parents gave you, you know? Absolutely. And, um, my wife went to bed and I just went to my little, uh, I had a little office, um, in the house, one of the bedrooms that I had a desk in and a couch and sat down on the couch with a notepad and my guitar. And by the time I went to bed about five or six in the morning, I pretty much had almost all of the song. I tightened it up the next day 
And uh, there's been a couple of songs, but there's other songs that take forever to write. But Santa Monica came really quick. I wrote mm-hmm. that in a day. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes the really good ones come pretty quick. Yeah, it's like it's like you're getting channeled through, you know, from a higher power. Dude, you, yeah, you, you know what's crazy, man? The exact same thing. See, the same thing. I can relate to you because the same thing happened to me with my biological dad. And, um, you know, I didn't know him. He bailed when, when I was really young and the exact same thing. I was looking at my daughter, my first daughter. And I was, I said the same thing to me. How can, how could my dad not want to be a part of my life? You know? And, and, uh, I was looking at my daughter and I just, I was thinking the exact same thing, man. It's a trip. You know, I, I bet a lot yeah. of people do that, you know, once they I think kids, a lot of yeah. people do that. Yeah. And, and, you know, I just, I think the difference is I just, I, I wrote about it and, yeah. and I put it to music that I had, I came up with a really cool riff, you yeah. know, and a good melody. And yeah. that's really how songs are, man. It's not rocket science. Yeah. It's just, it's, you're not going to recreate the wheel, but you can make the wheel move in a way the other wheels don't move a little bit you know you can make it your own and the people that i'm really like fans of are 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 more unique than um than maybe like classically trained yeah that's never been my thing yeah that's not punk rock rock and roll the elvis costellas of the world are more my thing than even um eddie van halen even though i think eddie van halen was like probably the best rock and roll guitar player ever, uh, you know, technically and even creatively. But it's funny that Elvis was more my thing because he was writing songs, um, you know. But I'm saying that, but I'm thinking, I love the first four of Van Halen records so much and the first four Elvis Costello records. Because right. yeah. yeah, I heard them both. I went out on my 16th birthday. Quick story: 16th birthday. I'm in Houston, Texas. I'm coming back to LA the next day. I'm in the back seat with this hot, hot 19 year old <laughs> girl who's my my friend's older sister who was always flirting with me. And when I show up to his house, he's like, "My sister's got a present for you," and she goes, "I'm your present." Me oh. for tonight <laughs> and that's it and i'm like thank you Classic, so i'm man. making out in the back seat with this hot 19 year old girl we're heading to a party and um uh eruption by van halen comes up great song you know and i'm sitting there just going dude i am never going to become the fastest guitar player or the best guitar player the guitar player that's not going to happen and then they go into, you know, um, you really got me. Yeah. And I'm just like, God, the guitars are so fucking big. Yeah. The drum sounds so great. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, and then after that, a song called Watching the Detectives by Elvis Costello comes yeah. on. Yeah. And I'm just like, <laughs> oh, my God. I like this as much as even more. Yeah. And I'm like, I want a band that's writing songs like him but with the guitar sound like Van Halen. Yeah. And that came to my mind when I'm stoned and drunk and, you know, got my 
my hands in this girl's shirt in the back <laughs> of the car. It's funny. <laughs> and, and, you know, and to really, if you think about it, that's what Everclear is, man. We have big guitars and we write songs. I write songs. Yeah. You know? Do you think that, that songs are gifts to artists from a, from a higher power? I do. Yeah. I do. Right. I do. I, I feel like, I feel like it funnels through us. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm clean. It's over 34 years. I have a really strong relationship with uh, my higher power and I'm very spiritual. Yeah. Uh, I believe in God, but I don't believe in religion at all. I yeah. just don't buy it. I grew up in a very religious household and it was kind of forced on me. And even as a kid, it just seemed like contradictions and just seemed like a lot of bullshit, you know? Yeah. What, what I remember asking my mom, why is God a him? Why is it right. he? Why is it father? Well, that's what it says in the Bible. I go, yeah, but who wrote the Bible? Man. I go, oh, okay. So, <laughs> because prehistoric men thought that God had a penis, I got to believe that, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I mean, really, the omniscient being that created everything has a penis. <laughs> really. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. Just, you know, that kind of shit just doesn't make any sense to me. The whole sucks is God believes that they're in racism or slavery. Right. Come on. It's like, it's like, um, you know, when you're, when you're writing a song, like I, I wanted to ask you this question. So, you know, coming from a higher power, it's like, how many times have you heard someone say that the song father of mine has meant something to them or they related to it? I mean, how many people have you seen in tears because of that song? You know what I mean? Without exaggerating. Yeah. Damn near every time I go out in the public. Yeah. Um, especially yeah. during the period when it was out there. Yeah. But even today, like, um, I went to Starbucks, not today, yesterday, and a guy came up to me. And, oh, I was in Starbucks in a line today. Yeah. And the girl, the girl, like, you know, 20 years old yeah. and her parents have been taking her to ever, her and her sister to Everclear show sauce when she was 14. Yeah. And she's like, I have a great relationship with my dad, but that song father of mine reminds me of my dad's dad and his experiences. And, and you know, yeah. and it's generational man. And, uh, yeah, you know, we kind of joke a little bit backstage, like, and I'll tell people when I play father of mine, it makes grown men cry. Right. It really does. Oh, for sure. It, it does. And it, it makes sense because when I wrote that song yeah. and I'm writing those lyrics down, I'm crying. Yes. It yeah. was hard for me to play that song yeah. for people because it would make people cry. And I would cry too when I was singing it, <laughs> you know? Yeah, for sure. It's just really emotional. Total gift, man. Total gift. For sure. Thanks, brother. The the that song was on a, a Grammy nominated record, uh, the Afterglow, along with so many other great songs like um, "Everything to Everyone" and "I Will Buy You a New Life." What right. what what's it like to be nominated for a Grammy, man? What's that like? <laughs> so it was cool, cool dude. <laughs> you know, um, it, it it was funny because we were nominated not for any of the three number yeah. one hits that we had on the record. We were nominated for a, a instrumental 
Oh, really? For <laughs> El Distorto de Melodica, which is bizarre. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. yeah. But it was cool. It was cool. We got nominated. We didn't win, but we got nominated. You know, it's crazy. I mean, you know, here you are, uh, you know, uh, a, a little kid and learning the guitar and then, you know, getting better and, you know, not writing very good songs and then getting better. And then next thing you know, you, you've got a record deal with Capitol Records and then your songs. Well, it was the right? next thing, you know, yeah. it was many years. Yeah, I mean, that's what I mean. And it's like, you know, just over the years and then all of a sudden, you know, uh, nominated for a Grammy. That's just huge, man. It's just so cool. And then your, uh, your records went on to sell millions of records, right? Absolutely. That's yeah. that's crazy. Like I said, man, we've been blessed. We, my my life has been a lot of struggle and a lot of uh, a lot of failure and a lot of success. Yeah. And I think that's that's how any life should be. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I I I, I I've always believed this and I've said it in different ways, but um I I'm a big NFL fan, football fan, I'm a Seahawks fan. And I was watching this thing with this coach was talking. His a dad was talking to his son, going, "Look, it's not a sin to get knocked down; it's a sin to not get back up again." Yes. And I've always said that in a different way: is like getting getting knocked down, failing doesn't define you. It's what you do afterwards that does. Yeah. And how you and how you respond to it and how you react to it, you know? Yeah. Do you remember the first time and what it was like to hear your song on the radio the first time? Um, like, what were you doing? Do you remember? Well, it depends. Well, like, the first song I ever heard on the radio was on college radio. It was an indie band of mine called Color Finger years ago. But um, Everclear, um, the first Everclear song I heard on the radio was the single was song off our first record called Fire Maple Song. And uh, we had just, there hadn't been alternative radio in Portland. And we went out on tour and we came back and it was getting played on this alternative AM station. The later became, a year later became an FM station. But it was amazing to hear it. And my wife at the time was telling me, man, they were playing that song constantly constantly they're playing that song so cool it's the most requested song on that station and we had a show at this club that we played all the time and the club held it was called Lumuna. it's not there anymore and it held like about 1100 people uh, but we usually did about i don't know 600 700 people we we're one of the bigger bands in town that was a lot you know yeah and uh I remember going to Soundcheck at about two in the afternoon and there's a line of kids, about 50, 50 kids, like teenagers and young people <laughs> yeah. like waiting outside and, and they started yelling at me and recognized me. I go, what are you guys doing here? This is a really bad part of town. This is a really bad part of town. You shouldn't be here. Come back later. The show starts at seven doors will open then you can go inside. You'll be, it'll be safe. It'll be good. They're like, no way. It's going to sell out. I go, it's not going to sell out. Trust me. <laughs> I wish it would sell out. It's not going to sell out. And then we, I went in and did sound check 
me and Craig walked outside and there was a line of about 250 people, Damn. Um, you know, going down the block. And I was just like, man, you guys need to go home. And, you know, and they're all singing the words to the song and other songs on the record. And I'm just, this is this so is cool. This is weird. So I went home, had dinner with my family, came back to the show about 7.30, and it's dark, right? Because it's like the fall. It's like October, yeah. November, something like that. And, dude, there is a <laughs> line going around this whole city block, and it's huge. <laughs> going around the whole venue, which is the whole city block, three times, three deep. Wow. So it... Needless to say, they put about 1,250 people in there that legally hold, <laughs> legally, I think it, it held like a thousand or right. something. Like that. Um, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's what this feels like. Uh-huh. I've seen it happen to other people, but I've never felt this before. This is, this is like when you cross that line from being like, a local band to something bigger than that. Yeah. And, um, and it started happening all over the country once we started getting played on radio. And when Santa Monica, um, took off, that was like, that was different level type stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, do you remember when you first sold, uh, like a million copies of your album? Do you remember that day that you heard that? Yeah. I remember, so, um, the record came out in May of 95 heroin girl got played in about 12 different, uh, markets, um, and did amazing there. But a lot of places were afraid to play a song with the word heroin. In it. Uh-huh. And, um, then Santa Monica came out and didn't really do all that well. Cause their first single didn't do that well, but we kept touring and touring and, uh, we did a video for Santa Monica and that came out mm-hmm. on 120 minutes and, uh, you know, on, on, on MTV and just, we slowly but surely, you know, did well through Christmas. And after Christmas, they started really pounding our video and the record just went from selling like 8,000 a week to 40,000 a week. Damn. And it, and it's crazy on that record. We never sold like a hundred thousand or 200,000 a week, like some bands, but we sold 40,000 a week for a year. Wow. And that's what sold all those records. And by, by mid February, I get a call. I'm on tour and I get a call from my ANR guy. He goes, I just want to let you know, dude, you just, um, he didn't say dude. He said, awesome. <laughs> English guy. Awesome. He goes, you uh you shipped gold today they shipped out wow the you know the final amount that you are now certified gold you're gonna have a gold record and i'm like oh my god that's amazing yeah and um you know we they set up a, a a gold a gold record party for us and stuff like that and that was gonna happen in about three weeks in la and the the week before the week before we had our gold record party um perry called me up my nr guy called me up and goes i just want to let you know something uh you ship platinum today wow it, it's just like in the last three weeks we've shipped half a million records that's how many records you're selling 
and um, you're um, you're gonna have a platinum record. It's crazy. And, uh, that was so exciting, and um, I remember telling my mom, you know, <laughs> uh-huh. my mom is still alive, about the platinum record party, and I go, I want you to go. I, it's important to me that you go to this with me. Nice. It's important to me. She's like, well, I don't have anything to wear. I go, I already got that figured out. I got <laughs> this designer lady here in Portland's going to come and and bring you dresses and take care of you. There's a limo going to pick you up, come pick me up, and we're going to fly down first class to L.A. And oh. um, so you can't get out of it. My mom, you know, my mom's an old hillbilly lady. She don't want to do it. <laughs> and she's finally like, okay, okay. I don't really get what this is all about. I don't really know what we're doing. And blah, 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 blah. I go, Mom, this is a platinum record. I've got a platinum record. Do you not get that? And then we get to the place. We get in the limo at LAX, and we're all dressed up, and, and the other guys get in the, in, in the car with us. And we pull up to this restaurant, and there's, a, there's paparazzi there. It was like Stan. <laughs> it had been on MTV News, and there was a red carpet, and it pulled up. And when they opened the door, you just heard the crowd go. Oh, your mom must have been and tripping. And my mom, my mom reached over and pulled the door shut, and she goes, "What the hell is this? What is this?" I go, "Mom, it's our platinum record party. What does that mean, platinum record?" I go, it "Means we sold a million records." She goes, "She's like, boy." Are all these people here for you? Uh, I go, yeah, flat out, yes. Isn't yes. that cool? And and she's just like, you could see it just like going in her eyes or her just didn't want to like, real. it didn't make sense. And then all of a sudden she's just like, okay. She gets out of the car and then she starts waving at people and smiling and talking <laughs> to press people, and, you know. And then after that, it was like, you know, she became my biggest fan, and she's like, well, oh. won't shut up about it. But you know. <laughs> That's so cool. What a great experience, and she must have been so proud, man. Yeah, man, she was That's... totally proud. Hey, so, brother, I'm going to have to wrap up. I got I got another interview on Zoom right now. No worries, man. I, I really appreciate you uh, being on my podcast, buddy. Hey, man, good luck with your podcast. It was a great interview. It was great talking. Yeah, you too, man. We'll talk soon. All right, take care. Okay, bye-bye. It's a Guy Jeans podcast. Thursdays with Saltwater Experience, brought to you by Golden Boat Lifts, every Thursday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue, brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors, every Monday night from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.